Hey, everybody, welcome back. We've got another exciting guest, Diana Lizarazzo, who's zooming in from Oakville, Ontario, which if you're not familiar with that, that is in the Toronto area, the GTA, as we say. And Diana has done a lot of stuff with real estate investing. She really specializes in value-add type deals. So flipping properties, doing burrs, that kind of thing. She doesn't just do that as an investor herself. She decided to jump right in. And in addition to real estate investing, she's got a whole crew that helps other people do their flips and do their burrs with her renovation team. So really excited to jump into this. So Diana, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Thanks so much for inviting me as a guest. Excellent. So tell us, give us a little snapshot of what does your portfolio look like today as the active real estate investor? What do you, what are you kind of spending more of your time on the flip side, the burr side, something in between? Let us know what that looks like. So actually specifically right now, because of the environment we're in, uh, we're actually making bigger moves. So we've actually teamed up with people and we're actually now doing bigger buildings. So value add, but for uh, bigger, like for buildings, so bigger units. So we're actually looking at right now, for example, like a conversion from a commercial to a residential and mm. a 17 unit, you know, another one very similar. I think that one's like an 18 unit. So we've actually gone bigger, but I would say like our current portfolio, like what we have is I'm uh, definitely all for the long-term uh, tenants. So I have a lot of, and they're all burrs. We used to have long, uh, just like buy and holds, but then yeah. that was, you know, to start off with. And then we sold those off because saw obviously more value in other different types of properties. So right now our portfolio is the burrs. And then like that, I mean, we do flips right now. I still look for flips to be honest, mm -hmm. but again, it's like the environment we're in, it has to be an amazing deal, right? Just because right now I personally think, you know, we're still, still have room to go down in the market. And, uh, you know, this, if we're going to be flipping and I mean, obviously having multiple exit strategies, but yeah. you know, taking all these things into consideration. Yeah. You don't want to be in the middle of a flip with the, if the market tanks and even, even a, a few slightly longer term structures are, are a little shaky in, in that kind of a scenario. I used to do rent to own deals, which is great when the market's going up, but really a rent to home deal is kind of a two or three year flip <laughs> without <laughs> the rentals usually, but, but it, that that's what it is. It's kind of mm -hmm. speculative. So yeah, you do, you'll, you'll do those if you see us just a smoking deal in yeah. a certain area. So You've built up your portfolio. You've got a number of burrs. Are you uh, in those burrs? Are you typically doing the full-on suite type situation, putting in carriage houses or garage homes or garden suites? What what are those single-family home burrs up until now? What have they looked like for you, Diana? They are a mix. So we've found, for example, really our biggest thing I say when we look at a property is. Uh, the I like the bigger the reno, the better, the more okay. value add, especially yeah. at the times when the market was going up, right? Because you could really take advantage of a good appraisal and pulling out all that money. So, but in them, yes, like, so some of them are already existing triplexes or duplexes. Okay. And then it was, they needed a haul over. 
And then we do have a couple that were the other way around, fam single family home, and then we did convert over. So really, I feel like what it is for us, it's really the uglier, the better, <laughs> and the better, and, and also even just like, um, like that, like if it's a single family home, unless you can make it into a triplex or, you know, I would even, you know, I'd venture into those. So it's about, I feel like the value add, like I love the more I can give to it, mm -hmm. yeah. the better. Yeah. So how did you, just out of curiosity, how did you jump into the whole construction slash renovation side of things? Was that pretty early on in the journey or was that after you'd hired a few crews for a few deals that you decided to open up that line of business? Mm -hmm. Actually, the renovation business started before we got into burrs and flips. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it actually started at the exact same time, almost as our first buy and hold. So I actually had, we had no plan of using this business for real estate because I had that GTA mentality of, you know, you just have appreciation, cash flow doesn't exist. So my views of real estate back then were very different. It was all about the long-term hold. And I was just thinking, you know, I'll buy a property every three to five years, you know, pull out money and just grow slowly the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that so, so the, for folks that aren't familiar with the GTA mentality, define that for us. Like, so that the GTA mentality is basically where everyone works on appreciation. It's more mm -hmm. about you, like that, like you don't see rental properties cash flowing right you see you you have to pay down the mortgage first right to be able to start seeing yeah so so buy. for our american friends and folks outside of the gta toronto is probably the most expensive real estate market in canada vancouver's right up there pretty close but they are very very difficult if not impossible to make a regular single family home cash flow positive and those kind of so people are very speculative they buy yeah. it because they've seen that hey appreciation's gone up a ton over mm -hmm. the years so they're just kind of hoping that that's going to continue to happen so that was that was plan a for the first little while when did you switch over when did you so you you bought your first couple of properties and then you also started the renovation business why why did you decide to jump into the renovation business so the renovation business was actually very interesting because we were in a situation where my husband was getting either going to get, so my, again, my mentality was either you get some kind of education so that your income can grow or you start your own business because you are in control of your income. Mm -hmm. So he was in the process of getting his apprenticeship at, or going to get it as a mechanic for uh, not for cars, but for plants. Uh, so big machinery and stuff. Right. And they were kind of stringing him along, stringing him along. And at that time he had already, he had experience in renovations in the past. Cause he's one of those like Jack of all trades. Like gets he's, he's a handy kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a handy kind of guy. So he had already in the past had these experiences of doing renovations, but in the moment it wasn't there. Yeah. And so then we, I was, and then, so we kind of got to a point where we were, just, he was, especially he was getting fed up because he's mm. like, wanted the appre apprenticeship. I think they strung him along for, I believe six months 
to maybe getting to a year. I think it was a year when he kind of gave up and was just like, you know what, you guys are just stringing me along um, and you're not going to do it. And at that time, one of the previous jobs he worked at, he worked in landscaping Hmm. and the company and they specifically asked him, why don't you start the renovation business? We work together to get these. uh, He's like, I'll help you get your business up and running. And and we work together as a team. So it was actually and I've always had uh, entrepreneur mentality. So I've actually always wanted to start a business. And like this, just like since young, it's like ingrained in my mind to start a business. So, so, and that was kind of like the avenue. I was like, you either need to get an education. So you increase your income and you're not capped or we get, we start some kind of business that you're good at. And so you you decided instead of him waiting to get the job, create the job and hopefully turn it into a a real business, Mm -hmm. keep him busy, making, making money in control of his own finances instead of re- relying on somebody else. So, so you jumped in, were you working at the same, uh, at your own job at the same time and then helping out on the side and kind of in the background or how did that look at the, at yeah. The- so the way we structured it was I definitely had a full-time job and it was really funny because we had bought our first property at that time. Yeah. So um, it was definitely like, I was the stability. So I was mm. just like, I can bring, I can make sure that we're ma- like, we're paying the bills and making sure everything's fine. And I'm like, go and get this done. You know, like the opportunity came and I'm like, go take advantage of it. Yep. Go yeah. and figure it out, you know, get it done. I'm like, I can handle all the expenses on my own. So, you know, this is like, this is the best time. I'm making good money. Yep. Like, let's just get it done. And then, so that's what helped him to push out. And again, because so and and again, like the strengths of a couple, right? It, I think yeah. also whereas so he's a very uh, personable guy. Like he loves talking to people, being around people, and he loves staying busy, like doing work. So his job was really like just go find the clients and get the work done, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll make sure that we keep the business up and running. So I was like, I'll let you know, for example, like when you're making money, when you're not making money. Um, yeah, wives you know, are usually pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah, I, <helped laughs> a business I just I was in the back end, you know, like building his website, yeah. you know, just getting making sure the that the bookkeeping, the accounting, the all the the nitty yeah. gritty type stuff that that he's not good at, doesn't want to do. That you okay, good, got it. All right, so you created that the renovation business that was rolling along. When did you guys? When did you make the mental switch to go from the GTA mentality to hey? let's do some burrs, let's do some flips. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. So that switch happened when actually, because I loved what I did at work, actually. So I was very happy in my job. It was a lot of fun, uh, very exciting kind of atmosphere. What I love is uh, creative, creative solutions. And yep. I did that in my job was finding solutions for clients and solving problems. I basically created systems for corporate, corporate, like corporations. I create like business systems and help them. Mm-hmm. So I actually loved what I did. And, um, but what happened was I went from the private sector, which is a very cutthroat environment, very go-go. I was a consultant. So like traveling around, you know, every customer wants something different. And I love that, except for the cutthroat part, you know, like I would see people getting let go here all the time because it was just like, it's a sink or swim type of environment. So if you can handle it, you're there. 
But then I went to, I got this amazing, so I got recruited to go into this other company that was a very slow paced environment. And so it was in the public sector. So completely different, right? Like 20 years to get an approval for some kind of project, getting people to get meetings done. That must have driven you nuts. Oh my God. I'm a person that loves to take action and, yeah. and be useful. Yeah. So I, my work, my productivity was like everything I, in, in the private sector is like everything, or sorry, in the public sector, like an eight hour day, I could get it done in two hours. I believe so I you. had a lot of time to think basically is what happened. <laughs> Too much time to think. Six hours a day that you weren't working, that, that you had time to think. Got it. Yep. Yes. And then, so that's when I was like, I need to put my time to good use and I need to do something with this. And so actually I started in getting into stocks and crypto and I really was having a lot of fun with that. And then, but I was seeing like, you know, if you're not doing it as a business though, like that's still technically being a passive investor to a certain side, like it doesn't grow your wealth as, as well as you being active. And that's when I was just like looking for other ways to make money. And then that's when, um, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad came into, like the book came into my life and I started reading it. And because I always knew about people being able to do it, but I thought it was like big corporations that did this, that I thought like I wouldn't be able to do. And then so once I started really digging in and understanding how it actually worked, I got to a phase where I had just learned so much and it was one of those, I need to get into a community. I need someone to just give me that like pat on the back to say of like, yes, you're taking the right direction or you missed this or, you know, you didn't do this or just like that extra little bit of double Push. checking, yeah, right? Yeah, or even yeah. double check too, right? Because I right. just was one of those people that looked way too much into information. Well, yeah, you're, was, you're, you've got an engineering background. You're good. Chances are you're very analytical. So yep, yeah, I get it. Yep. <laughs> and analysis paralysis comes very easily for me, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I got to a point of that information overload where I felt like I knew everything there was, but still I was just, you know, you're always scared to make that first step. Right. Um, what if I make a mistake? What if I'm not, what if, <clears throat> what if, uh, what if information, not all the information is public and like certain bits are not there that I need to know and aren't there. So that's when... I made the switch because I just understood, I really understood it. And at that point I had such a good understanding of how I could do it that I was just like, I know I can do it. I can get this done. And it's not as hard as I think. And then I got into real, and then like that, I got into a real estate community. And then that's when I started like, go, go, go. Okay. Figure this out. Talk to as many people as I can. And good. just get oh, things going. That, that it, you took your process and you, figured it out and you got very, very comfortable and you had the perfect situation because your husband's business that you were very involved in was doing exactly that. And, and you kind of, everything clicked and then you just really hit the ground running. So talk to me a little bit, Diana, about your experience with working with investor partners, private capital, joint venture, you know, partners, that sort of thing. What have you, have you done everything on your own or have you worked with some partners as well? I have worked with partners and the very first one was a great learning experience. <laughs> Sounds learned. like it was a disaster. <laughs> it was quite the disaster. But again, you know, I feel that 
again, with my background, because in this time, how you say, for example, you think my husband would be involved from day one in real estate. He actually had no interest in it. He really? was very focused. He just he business. just wanted to swing the hammer and do the work. That's Yeah, that's he was he more interested in his customers. He wasn't interested in actually being involved. Right. So I was getting involved with other people's projects. And um, so my very, so I was, so my plan was have my husband, he can work on one of our projects. And I partner up with another person that's in the construction sector and we partner up and, and we work together. Right. Okay. And so what ended up happening was that, and in this test, I was like testing out, okay, let's figure out like what it is to be an, a passive partner. In this case, I was being the passive partner and that other one was being the active. And I wanted to understand how the roles work. So I mm. partnered up with them to figure this out. So you put and money then, into the deal, but they did the work. Is that what I'm understanding? That was what was supposed to happen. Yes. Ah, okay. Got it. <laughs> and then, and then, but then like that, because of my confidence of, we had, I think by then our business, maybe we were like maybe five years in. So I knew it very well. because I was very involved in the business in the back end, but like quotes and stuff. So I knew how to like quote projects and stuff. Um, and I just knew how it worked. Um, and then, so when, when, when we partnered up, just things, I learned a lot of things. Things just started falling apart very quickly. Mm. And the reason why, why it happened was because I definitely got that um, shiny diamond syndrome. The deal was amazing. Mm. And uh, it was so good. Like I just wanted anything and everything to have that deal because it was so good. And I just thought, you know, I'm an engineer. I work around men all the time. I've been in the public sector. I just, I know what it is to deal with like to deal with people because in consulting you're just this is how it is yep. so I was like you know I can handle I can handle people because I did notice that he was a little hard to deal with hmm. um and I was like you know you let your gut like tell you like your gut you don't listen to your gut I mean right. you know yeah so I was just like I can handle him it's okay you know I'll be fine and then I was like with my husband I understand enough about renovations that I can just, I know what the processes are like. I know if someone's like taking me here for a ride or whatever, I know how to track these kind of things. Cause I already know how to do it on like the client side. Yeah. So that was like the logic I put in me to allow me to decide to go into a deal with someone that I realized that we were very different, right? Mm. Like he was about uh, quantity. Like he was about doing a project each month mm. uh, and There's volume. It was volume, volume it was over all quality. about volume and and I was very different. Mine was all about quality, especially that we're going to keep this property. Yeah, so I you're much more methodologic methodological. Is that mm -hmm. the right word? Yeah, you go by the you step by step by step. Not and the other guy was kind of a cowboy cutting corners and just get her done. Let's go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So what and, happened? Did you have to take that one over or or, or yeah. what happened? So what actually? So what was the last straw? Because there was a lot of things my husband had to get involved to help me because it was really becoming tough. Mm. But the, actually, the last straw that Abe was able to help us actually to get him out of the deal was actually they were having. So we one of the one unit happened to have tenants still in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we end up finding out that they have workers working in the middle of the night with children running mm. around crying and so the 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 tenants themselves are a family 
And so she's very, very concerned that there's kids in the middle of the night running around screaming and crying. Mm-hmm. And in a, when in a work told, zone. Yeah. Yeah. And so when she told me this, I like mm-hmm. had a heart attack <laughs> because yeah. one of uh, like, like that's a liability issue to me. Right. Yep. Like having yeah, kids sure. on site, if they get hurt, that's a very big oh, yeah, problem. That's a disaster. Yeah. Yes. And then, I mean, and workers aren't allowed to work after I think like nine or 10 at night or something like that. So even that, like there were just so many issues with that situation happening mm-hmm. that um, it was, that was the final straw. And we, and then we called them up and we're just like, this is done and over with, and we have to take over the project. This is like, like we can't deal with this way of yeah. like this way of working. That so was so like, how did, how did, how did you, ex- how did he exit? that project how were you able to take that over did he try to screw you over no we we the thing is like for example again because i knew about renovation so for example we were paying him as the work was getting done that being said one of the other issues was like the renovations were really terribly done Mm -hmm. so our budget had to increase because that because a lot of things had to be redone there was no thought process in the way he did, did things but the exit was that just that part, I guess it was so big. Like he, um, he just like, we just said, this is done and over with. And we left it. We even actually told him we're going to go this weekend, come take your pictures. Cause I was like, if this is going to go through a lawsuit, uh, you know, we all want to be on the same page on what is actually happening. Um, and he just never came and he just kind of disappeared. Okay. And then we also found out in the uh, in, with other projects that like similar issues were happening. I think wow, he is going through some lawsuits and stuff. So I well, think that's, that is like, quite the quite the learning experience early yeah. on. So so what do your JBs look like these days, Diana? What do you typically do? You're you're the active partner at this point, and yeah. how do you how do you typically structure your JBs, and how do you find your JB partners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely, I would say values became very important. And yeah, in the active side, we even, because um, one of the things, for example, we see problems with, for example, with new investors mm-hmm. is they want to make the house their own. Yeah. And that is not a good thing. <laughs> no. So no. we have rules around that. So for example, when we're partnering up with someone, we definitely allow them to give their input, but the input is done before closing. So we identify all everything that goes that's going to happen what's going to get done and then we also have different types of roles so for example and it like my husband takes over for example like supply like he he's the one who has the final say on suppliers not suppliers but like if we have to have subcontractors yeah. and things like that like yeah. he has the final says for that just because he obviously has to work for them and there has to be mm-hmm. a compatibility there and then and then so and i'm more of like the mediator so I, you know, I make sure that basically both sides are happy. I make sure that our passive partner is happy. And I just make sure that my husband getting is getting everything he needs. But so basically on closing, the way we run our projects are on closing, we basically signed everything of what's going to get done. And there's no changing minds. It's Mm. just now my husband's ready to go get things done. And then if problems occur during it, then we're discussing those and those changes may happen, but there's no, um, and then like that, we really try to 
pause people on um, not wanting to make the place, you know, look like their their own house. It's not going to be yeah. their house. It's a it's a revenue yeah. property. Yeah, because I noticed that's usually the biggest the biggest. So the the joint house. venture partners that you're bringing on. Who are they typically? Who who are you are you finding to bring on? Is are they other real estate investors? Are they people in, in your sphere, friends, family, coworkers, that kind of stuff? What who who are the yeah? Folks? They're like people in the corporate world type ah. people. I do we do have some people that are actually like aspiring real estate investors, so they're partnering with us. The, those those are probably ones that are the pain in the butt. <laughs> both to be honest actually <laughs> i just think like that like when it's a first project their first time doing things they go into like la la land and want the most beautiful thing in the world spend money on things that don't need to be mm. spent so it's like really mitigating that i think it's like for the, the first timers mm -hmm. it's just making them understand you know this is for example like this is a rental property we don't need to I don't know, put like high end things or, or, you know, like, it's like, even with flips, because we've done high end flips, but then you, for example, finding that balance between yeah. like way too customized and enough of a luxury flip that like it gives them what they want and it's luxurious, but it's not super customized where they right. can still put their vision in it. Right. So it's like that, that I feel like that's like the, I would say also the biggest thing when you're dealing with anyone you start realizing negotiation yeah is actually a very big part of what we do like learning how to like make or communication i would say right like learning how to make them understand like what are the best giving them the trust that we know what we're talking about i i think if, if i'm hearing between the lines i think that's that might be the the challenge i mean obviously if you're working with a client who's a flipper and the you guys are the renovation team that that's one thing like they of course they pick the colors and you know all that kind of stuff and you guys kind of do things according to what their wishes are but when you're bringing on a joint venture partner for your deal i think at the end of the day it'll help you a lot if if just right from the get-go it's positioned properly like hey this is a project we're working on, we're bringing on a joint venture partner to be a passive partner in this deal. Our, our joint venture partner puts in the capital, they put in maybe the mortgage qualifications for this property, and we do everything else mm -hmm. because that's what we do. And that's what we got nine years of experience doing. We know exactly what to do and how to do it. So if you're comfortable with that, then this is going to work really, really well. If you want to be super involved in, in the hands-on that's that's what i do anyhow diane it's it's like it's it's having that conversation up front we're not looking for another active partner in this deal of course you're you're everybody's entitled to their opinions and, and that sort of thing but we're the expert that's that's why you're partnering with us is because mm -hmm. we know how to maximize your return on investment again dialing it in and in, into what's in it for them but if you if you set that parameter up straight up from the beginning oh yeah that'll mm -hmm. solve all of those <laughs> all okay. of those problems even the newbies that that are kind of pay to play mm -hmm. if you have that conversation you say hey you know what there's going to be things that we're going to do that you might not understand or even agree with uh, but our agreement's going to say that we're going to do that 
anyhow, but we're happy to explain why we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it sounds kind of rough, but uh, you know, it's kind of like back in the day when you're a consultant, you have to say to the client, they, they have to understand, Hey, you're paying me to show you how to do this properly. Not, mm-hmm. not to argue with you're hiring my expertise. It's, it's the same thing with this. Yeah, it is exactly the same thing. Although I feel like, again, I don't know with first timers, they always still want to give their input. Uh, you're just way too nice, ball. Diana. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, you you got to get some grumpy old guy like me to crack the whip and <laughs> tell how it's going to be. No, that, that is wonderful. And so now you guys are, are switching over. You're starting to do bigger deals. Uh, that's fantastic. We'll have to have you on for for another episode, Diana, because time flies when we're having fun. But if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, what's the number one place they can go to find all things Diana? Yeah, you can go on my website then. It'd be dianalizarazzo.ca and it has my social medias connected and even like networking events, everything is all there. So it's a, yeah, if it's the number one, that would be the best place. It takes you to everything else. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. So Diana Lizarazzo.ca. Diana, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for your insights. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. This was definitely a lot of fun to chat. All right, everybody take care and we'll see you on the next episode.